0: Good morning, Crossing family. It's so good to be able to be with you today. I look forward to what the Lord is wanting to say to us. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, just touch us today. Lord, we are your servants, and we are here to listen to you, to heed what you say to us, and Lord, for you to impart into us all things that you see that are fit and needed I pray today for your blessings upon us as we look into the word. And may your voice be heard in our hearts and our spirit. And may we be open to that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Psalms chapter 27. And I want to read a passage of scripture there. The last couple of Sundays, uh, Pastor Chad preached Out of Matthew, where the Lord was saying, If you seek first the kingdom of God, then all these other things will be added unto you. It's a discipleship message about seeking first God, His righteousness, His kingdom. Last week, Pastor Rod preached about how that the Apostle Paul in Acts 16, he had such a desire, such a dream to take the gospel to every unreached people group he could get to. And when he wanted to go to Asia to preach the gospel there, the Holy Spirit did not allow him to go, stopped him. And in the middle of the night, he had this Macedonian dream about the people there saying, come and help us, and he did so. And he took that scripture and made us know that we're not to chase our dreams, our ambitions, but we are to chase God. And in chasing after the Lord, he will achieve and accomplish the visions and dreams. And today I want to follow with that same theme about really seeking the Lord. And so I've chosen this scripture here out of Psalms. And I'll, let me read you these verses, verses seven through eight. The Psalmist says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When he said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. And do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O oh God, of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Psalms 27 has a uniqueness about it because the first six verses are filled with so much faith. I mean, this writer is filled with confidence that God's going to lift him up above his enemies and strengthen him and cause him to be able to succeed. But then you get to verse seven, it's changed in one verse so completely. He's gone from faith to extreme fear. And you know, that's really how life seems to be. Fear and faith are battling for our minds, trying to control our minds on a consistent basis. And so as I read this passage, it's this portion where he said, when you said, to me, seek my face. I said to you, in my heart, I said to you, I will seek your face. To me, that is the pivotal point for all of us as we live life, as we are in need, as we face the struggles that are in front of us. And how can we do so and have any confidence? that we're not going to be swept aside or swept under by the avalanche of troubles and difficulties that are around us. It's all revolves around seeking the face of God. I honestly believe today that seeking the face of God is the answer for all of our needs in our life. And so I want to speak about this today. I, and quite frankly, just recently, in a time with the Lord, I sensed the Lord say to, that to me, seek The Lord, seek my face. And it honestly caused me to reflect upon my walk. And I was asking myself questions like, am I really seeking the Lord? Do I seek him? And it also made me think about, am I just operating today on past knowledge? Am I operating today on my past experiences? And, of course, I know that's not sufficient, but yet it is such a temptation and such a reality so often for us in life. When I heard the Lord say to me, seek the face of the Lord, I also it caused me to reflect upon just the general tenor of what has been the Christian culture in our, in our world. And I, and I ask these questions. Are we seekers of God? Do we seek God for things, or do we seek God just for him. Are we known as believers? Are we known for our desire for the Lord? Or maybe are we known for our experiences or maybe our knowledge? All of these questions really moved me in my heart. And I want to proceed on that thought today because the Bible gives repeated calls to God's people, For them to be seekers of the Lord. Over and again, we hear the Bible tell us we are to seek the Lord. Psalms 105 and 4 says, Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continuously. Isaiah 55 and 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. In other words, is there a time coming when you cannot seek him? Or maybe when he's not near? The scripture in Hosea, chapter 10 and verse 12, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and rains righteousness on you. Seek him until. The time now is for us to do this, is what Hosea was saying. And we do it until there's a response from God. And I just ask you today, where are those people who seek God anymore? until there is a breakthrough from heaven. I'm reminded when Jesus said this, if you ask, you shall receive. If you seek, you shall find. If you knock, it shall be opened unto you. I'm also reminded in Luke chapter 24, when Jesus, as he's leaving, says to his disciples, he gives them these instructions. You are to remain or to tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And I just have to ask that question again. Are we those people that are seeking God today until there are answers given to us from heaven? I I believe this with all that is within me. I feel like it is something I'm supposed to say to us today. And that is this. I believe that second only to your salvation is that seeking God is the most important aspect of a believer's life. Seeking God is the most important aspect of a believer's life next to his or her salvation because no one ever gets close to God until they learn and they begin to seek him with their whole whole heart. You look around and you see people and you think inside of yourself, I wish I had a relationship with God that way. And sometimes we just think people were just maybe born that way. Maybe they have their own inclination that way. And I want to say to you, that's not true. People that get close to God, people who have a close relationship with God, they only have it because they begin to be seekers of the Lord. And I've discovered it is really easy for us to substitute knowing things about God for actually knowing God. It's easier, quite frankly, to know theology, and theology is the study of God. It's easier to know theology than it is to know God. We can learn concepts. We can learn precepts. We can learn principles of God and yet never be a seeker of God. We can attend church. We can participate in worship services. We can quote scriptures. We can learn Bible history. And we can be theologically correct and yet never really be seekers of God. You see, a Christian's life can become just a memorized, rote, religious experience if we're we're not careful. Being active but void of his presence. And that's why I think the Bible does warn us with scriptures like where Jesus said in Matthew 7, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. In other words, you can go through the motions but never really have that intimacy with God and what a price to pay. I believe it's also why the scripture tells us that in 2 Corinthians 13, we're to examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. I remember the story in the Old Testament about Samson in the book of Judges and how that God had anointed him and how God powerfully used him as he was used in so many powerful ways, but he was careless in his life. And at a time when he needed to be able to muster the strength and he thought he could shake himself again as he had done in the past and he was living on past experiences, but this time it didn't work and he became captured he became became crippled because the Bible says Samson knew not that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. These are stories in the Bible, and the Bible just repeatedly tells us that we have to be aware that we are to be seekers of God. How can we avoid the tragedies that Samson fell into or that Saul in the Old Testament fell into? And I believe the only way and the right way is to become a seeker Of the Lord. And one thing I found out about God is God Himself is a seeker. As a matter of fact, all of us are here today those who know the Lord, those who have come to a salvation experience with Him. We didn't get here because we were the ones that pursued Him. We came here only in response to His pursuit of us. God is a seeker. Jesus came to seek. And to save that which was lost. When Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, whenever they had first sinned, immediately... God began to walk in the cool of the evening in the garden and called out to them, Adam, where are you? Well, listen, God knew where they were, but God, who is a person who is always seeking after us. But one thing I've noticed about the relationship that God develops inside of us is the whole of the relationship with us is this. It all starts with God seeking us. But then once we've responded, once we've come to him, once that spiritual connection has come alive inside of us and we're born again, then there comes a shift inside of us to where we begin to have a hunger And we begin to have a thirst to seek after him and to pursue God. So God's method is to find us and then to create inside of us this spiritual desire, this spiritual hunger that moves us to seek him. That must be why Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I believe it's why David said, As the deer pants for the water brook, Sow my soul for you, O God. But you see, the Bible gives us story after story of people who've had these great experiences with God. I mean, power experiences with God. But then sometime after that power experience and that initial relationship, their relationship begins to wane with God. They begin to become less interested, less hungry, less pursuant. And this is the story of the Bible. I mean, when you look at the the children of Israel, how that God sought them out. In Exodus, they didn't ask God for for stuff. He came looking for them. They were in need. They were hungry. They were desperate. But it was God who sought them out. He sought them as a people, as a family, to make them a body of, uh, of the Lord here on this earth. And then after all the power demonstrations of Pharaoh being confronted by Moses and God's power being demonstrated, and they begin to walk with him, listen, it didn't last 40 days before they begin to say, we'd just soon go back to Egypt. We'd just soon go back to the garlic and onions of Egypt. You see, there's a pattern that we fall into. And that is that there's a tendency inside of us to not stay on the edge, not stay with that living desire, not feed the desire to seek after the Lord. And when we don't, it begins to cost us. And the truth be known today, God's only answer to the temptation, to the propensity of humans to backslide, away from a true living walk with God that's current and up to date is when they learn to be seekers of the Lord. So what does it mean to seek God? And I began to read this and seek more understanding myself. And this is what I found out. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for seek, and then in the New Testament, the Hebrew word for seek, both of these words are strong, active words. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for seek, it means to search out by any method. In the New Testament, the word in Greek means to seek and to find. It means to find what is missing. You tell me, is there not something missing? Can you not sense that and feel that among us today? It just seems like there's a void between what's in this book And what you see happening in people's lives. It seems like there's a void between people who say they've had an experience with God. They have a relationship with God. Yet, how does their life reflect that? You see, when we seek God, seeking is an all out. Whatever it takes pursuit of God until God is found. Now think about that. Moses in the Old Testament had a burning bush experience. That would get any of our attention. That would capture us with everything within us to have such an experience. And when that experience happened to him, you can follow his life. His life began to follow a pattern that for the rest of his days, he was seeking after God. He wanted that pursuit. There was one time when God was so upset with the Israelites, he said to Moses, you guys go ahead. I will send the angel of the Lord with you and guarantee you success to get into the promised land. But Moses said back to God, God, if you're not going, then we don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't really want to go, even if you send your number one angel. It's not the number one angel I need, God. It's you that I need, Lord. And so he became a seeker of God. We're here today because of that. Abraham became a seeker of God. Abraham left his family. He left the farm. He left all of his friends and all of that which was familiar with him just to pursue after God. He didn't know where he was going. He did not know when he was was going to get there. All he knew was he had this urge to grope and to keep going forward with God. In the Old Testament, Hannah, she became a seeker. She wanted a child and she was without children, couldn't have children. And she went into the temple and she prayed, she prayed herself voiceless. You want to see what seeking God is like? It's when you pray and you pray yourself to such a point that you have emptied your soul before God. And when she prayed herself voiceless, even to the point that they thought she was delirious or or as, as, as Eli thought she was drunk. But no, she was getting in touch with God. Esther, when the nation of Israel was decreed to be annihilated, Esther became a seeker of God. And she sought God with fasting and with prayer. And she confronted Israel's enemy and God saved her and the nation. You can just follow these patterns. David was a seeker of God. He said, one thing I've asked the Lord for, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of God all the days of my life. Jesus was a seeker. The Bible tells us over and again that early in the morning, long before the sun ever rose, Jesus would get up and go off by himself to pray. Or after a long day of ministering to thousands and thousands of people, he had to be so tired, but yet rather than just going for a meal after the church service, Jesus would go off by himself on a mountaintop just to be with God, his Father. Paul was such a seeker of God. His one desire in his life, he said it in Philippians when he said, Oh, that I may know him and in the the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. It was not all the other things. It was not wanting to be the Pharisee of Pharisees. It was not wanting to be the theologian of all theologians or the writer of more words in the New Testament than any other writer. No, it was just seeking after God. You see, if the Bible says that no man can see God's face, then it raises the question, why would God say, seek my face? Why would God put it inside of us? Why would the psalmist say, when you said to me, seek my face in my heart, I said, I will seek your face. Just recently, Kay and I had a wonderful Friday night and Saturday. We gathered in Atlanta and brought all of our grandkids there. And we were able to spend some time with them, went to a Braves game. But we stayed in a hotel there. And we actually had five of the seven grandkids (laughs) in our room with us for a while that night. And you can just imagine which five, well, these are the five alive and active ones. I mean, uh, age nine and all the way down to, you know, age five. And they began to play this game in in our motel room, not a big room. (laughs) It was hide and seek. So one would go into the bathroom and they'd close the door and all this kind of stuff and all the others would hide. And then they would come out, the one in the bathroom would come out and go try to find them. And man, I'm here to tell you, I was surprised at how good these grandkids of ours could hide. Some hidden behind the curtains. You couldn't tell they were there. Some hid under the furniture. Others would get into a a dresser drawer and close a drawer. They were good at it. Now they were found. It took a while, but they were good hiders. But let me tell you something about God. God's not a good hider. Every time God hides, he leads clear traces and evidence of where he's at. So why does he do that? Why would God say, seek my face? Why would he say to you, you will find me when you seek for me with your whole heart? And that's the reason why. Because God wants to be found. And when he's found, all previous priorities begin to be rearranged. And then all possibilities in front of us become realities. David said this. He said, O God, thou art my God. I shall seek thee earnestly. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh yearns for thee in a dry and weary land where there is no water. You see, that's the, to be the descriptive for ourselves. And I say it again, besides your salvation, the most important thing in your life is becoming a seeker of God. And somebody's going to say to me, well, what about reading the Bible? Well, that's part of it. But I'm here to tell you, even the Bible, it is a spiritual book. And it can only be understood by spiritual revelation. And you only get spiritual revelation when you set your heart to seek the face of God. And I want to say to you today, I sense, and you do too, there is a need to seek the face of God. We know we're living in unique times. We're living at desperate times. Every day it seems to bring about new crisis. This national unrest that is so prominent. The polarization of our society is is more polarized than, than I ever remember. This pandemic that absolutely refuses to go away and we're struggling with it even now. The economics of our day, the collapses in front of us, it seems like. Even our own personal freedoms are, are changing. On top of that, there is what I call the slippery slope of the re- world religion of humanism. And humanism is the belief that just, it exalts man to become his own God. It's the same message that Satan told Adam and Eve. No, you need to be your own God. You need to call your own shots. You get to decide what's right and what's wrong. And how does that serving us? Look at what it's producing over the years. Abortion on demand. Uncountable numbers of innocent babies with no voice speaking for them. No justice saying, no, they should be able to live. Abortion on demand. What a, what a difficult thing. Then the, recently, the Supreme Court's decision that they could decide how to redefine the biblical institution of marriage to where it's no longer one man and one woman. It's whoever, whatever, it's your choice. On top of that is what I call this gender, the landslide of gender dysphoria that is everywhere. Do you realize now, and I know you do, but in America there are places where birth certificates no longer will have the identification of the gender, of the sex, of the birth. Somebody's going to decide that later. In our world today, when men are becoming women and vice versa, and what's most, what's most difficult to me in all is how that there's such a strategy aimed at our children, aimed at those whom they believe they'll change the social order of humanity by appealing to them and by confusing them, in my opinion. I don't know, and I'm sure most of you have by now, but just recently there was a posting of this thing called the San Francisco Gay Children's Choir it's a, it's a men's choir, excuse me. It's a San Francisco men's gay choir. And listen to the lyrics of this song that they sang. It says, You think we're sinful against our right. You say we lead lives you cannot respect, but you're frightened. You think we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked. Funny, just this once, you are correct. We will convert your children, Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. You can keep them from disco, warn about San Francisco, make them wear pleated pants. We don't care. We will convert your children. We'll make them tolerant and fair. Just like you're worried, they'll change your group of friends, and you won't approve of where they go at night. And you'll be disgusted when they start learning things online that you kept far from their sight. We will convert your children. Yes, we will. Reaching one and all. There's really no escaping it. We're coming for them. We're coming for your children. You see, changing marriage wasn't the agenda. That was not going to be the end all. No, they're coming for the children. You see, this is... The time that we live in. And I say to you, the scripture out of Hosea, is it not time for us to seek the Lord until God rains righteousness upon us? I mean, if you want to look at it and realize, and I know you have to, especially those of you who have children and grandchildren, today there are 259 characters now identifying as LGBT in the animated children's shows. My own wife recently had our grandkids at the house and was letting them watch the Muppet Babies, and she could not believe it. She recorded it as that message was clearly spoken. She turned it off and said to my two young grandsons that were there, we got to talk, and she explained to them things about what was being talked to them. And I'm not saying this today to make us mad at a group of people I'm not saying this, that we take up arms in some way as far as person to person. I'm saying that the enemy is not that community. The enemy is the enemy of our soul. And it is the spiritual darkness and the forces of darkness that have captured so many people's minds that they think it's right, that they think it's the moral thing to do to somehow or another bring such a, an approach, a lesson to children. You can't help but remember where Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. I can't help but think about where Paul said in 2 Corinthians that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty unto God, pulling down of strongholds. You see, I believe this, whether life is good or whether life is challenging, I believe for God's people that the first response has to be that we are seekers of God. Because when we seek God with all of our hearts, somehow or another, just like it was for the psalmist in Psalm 27, when fear overtook him, he said, I will seek your face. God's answers come to us through us just simply seeking the heart of the Lord and the face of the Lord. What does it mean to seek God's face? Simply means this. It means that as you seek Him, you desire to be near Him, you desire to commune with Him, and to be in close, intimate relationship, that He turns His face to you. Seeking God is not so much information as it is inspiration. It is when God is inspiration and it's intimate. Seeking God is not so much information as it is intimacy with the Lord himself. Oh, all things change at that point. Let me just give you some scriptures that I want to share with you right now. The Bible says in Psalms 10 and 4, the wicked in his proud cancelness does not seek God. Listen, ask yourself, do I seek God? Well, if I don't, then it says here that God calls that wickedness. In Psalms 9 and 10, the psalmist said, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. No matter how bad life is, no matter how challenging it is, people that seek God will have God as their companion. Psalms 34 and 10, The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. You will not lack any good thing in your life. You will not lack for any need in your life. God will see to it somehow that he comes to the side of those who seek him, whether it be a home to live in, whether it be a job, whether it be a car, whether it be the right person to marry, whether it be the will of God. How do you find these things? You only find it by being a seeker of God. Psalms 40 and 16, let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in it. Anybody want to have joy? Anybody want to be happy? Anybody want to overcome this horrible feeling that's just so prevalent in the world today? How do you find it? You become a seeker of God because you'll have true joy. You see, joy is, the source of joy is Jesus. And the things that we need in our life, the happiness that we seek after is not in happenings. It's in the presence of God. The scripture in Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 13. Is such a popular scripture. You'll know it was a read it for I. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And everybody's heard this scripture and thank God for it, because God does have a plan for your life. God does have hope for every one of you. But then it says, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And he said, and you will seek for me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. When you search for me with all your heart. In other words, we really need to take this scripture and see who he's talking to, what he's talking about. Because honestly, this scripture right here was being given to Israel and to Judah who had been living in exile, God's people no longer in the city of Jerusalem, no longer with a temple to worship at. They'd lost it all because they'd had failed to keep God as the loyal one in their heart. Instead of just worshiping God and God only, instead of just seeking God, they'd allowed themselves to leak away that love for God and they had begun to worship other idols. And let me tell you, it won't work. God said to them, I'm done with you. And they were wound up 70 years in isolation in captivity. They wound up in worse slavery then than they had been when they were in Egypt many, many years before that. And it all happened because they lost the loyalty of God in their heart. And God's speaking to them now. It's time for that season of, of, of justice and that season of them being brought around to having a heart for God to be over. And God's speaking to them and says, in the middle of your exile... In the middle of all that you've lost, know this. I have a plan for your life. I have hope for you. And when you seek for me with all of your heart, when you decide you're going to lay aside all the other things and just come and be for me, and you love me, and you want me in your life, then you'll find that hope. You'll find that peace. You'll find that plan. And I also love this scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Verse 5, speaking about a king. His name is Uzziah. The Bible says that he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. I want everybody who's listening to me to understand this today. You are to take this scripture and put it in a prominent place because it says as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. If you're a businessman, in your family, in your business, every young person, hear me. Hear me and hear me, please. If you want to succeed in life, if you want to have prosperity in your life, you have to become one who seeks after God. It goes on to describe how God caused him to prosper. God helped him to become a giant against his enemies. He became a great inventor, this king did. He became exceedingly strong is what it says. But then the tragedy of it is in verse 15, until he became strong. Verse 16 says, but when he was strong, he lifted up, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord. And the results was he wound up becoming a leper for the rest of his life. Oh, hear me today. (laughs) Seeking God is where the answer is at. Seeking God is what really matters. That's why David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek. That's why he said, when you seek my face, you said, seek my face. My heart said, I will seek you. So I want to ask you, when's the last time that you heard the Lord say that to you. Hey, don't eat today. Why don't you fast and seek my face? When's the last time the Lord, you heard the Lord nudge you and say, hey, put that down. Don't read that. Don't listen to that. Don't look at that again. Please come over here and be with me. When's the last time the, you, since the Lord say to you, I'm missing you. Things are not as close as they used to be between us. You see, this is what is most precious in our life. And I honestly think today, I'll say it again, the most important aspect of a believer's life is that aspect of seeking the heart of God. I have a question for you. How many times will he quicken us about this? And we just, because we're so busy and we have so many distractions, we just kind of say, Yeah, I hear that, but I'm on, I'll do it later. I'm going to challenge you right now to do something. Matter of fact, you're watching me, I want you to get up from where you are. I want you to stand up. Because I honestly believe your faith has to have action put to it. And today, if inside of your heart you have this hunger, you sense that need in your own life, need in our families, need in our nation, need in the world. We have to have help from heaven. And I'm reminded of the scripture in 2 Chronicles 7. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, and seek my face, then they will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. And I want you to do that with me this morning. If you feel the, the need, <laughs> if you sense God saying, "I hey, come and seek me, then it's time for us to seek the Lord. And the good news is the young lions lack and they hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack for no good thing. Your answer, my answer is going to be in just simply seeking the face of God, drawing close to him because God will turn his face towards you. If you haven't done that, I ask you to do it today. I want to pray with you right now. If you would lift your hands before him and say, Father, I come to you right now in the holy name of Jesus. Inside of my being, there is this sense that I need you. I don't just need you in a mechanical way, but oh God, I need you in an intimate way right now. And I want to be one of those that seek your face. I don't want to just get up every day and go about life's business and put you on the back burner. But Lord, I want to put you at the front, at the first. I ask you to renew me, renew in me a right spirit, Lord. Cleanse me from every evil thing, any ungodly thing. And Lord, I want to come and be with you. My trust is in you. My hope is in you. I believe in you. And I thank you now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Listen to me, church. Let's walk with God. You draw near to him. He's promised to draw near to you. You seek him and seek him first and you will have all things added to your life. You may not have the greatest amount of knowledge. You may not have the greatest amount of what you think is faith, but you've got a heart to seek God. God makes up the difference. God bless you. We love you. If you need us, you call us. For those of you that are sick, we're praying for you. We're fasting and praying for you. And God is answering those prayers. We love you. God bless.